Farming with sugarcane is no easy feat. But if you're a new farmer in Mpumalanga or KwaZulu-Natal, then listen up. In this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track, we share an exclusive sugarcane farming guide. Find out how Malemo Tato left his office job as a former IT engineer to farm instead. Dr. Joseph van Weingart unpacks Malemo's farming methods that upped his feed conversion in our animal nutrition powered by Furmo Feeds segment. Then, Farmsol boss Aaron Kole shares his new farmer tips to adapt and innovate to survive and thrive in the agri-industry in our farmer development segment. After nearly a decade working in the corporate world, Alice Khadebe followed her childhood passion farming. And this week, she wears the hashtag Soil Sisters Crown, powered by Food Form Zanzi and Corteva AgriScience. What is a food system and why is it important? In a historic first independent dialogue on media engagement in the United Nations Food Systems Summit, Professor Lindue Sibanda, the Director and Chair of the Africa Research University's Lions Center of Excellence in Sustainable Food Systems at the University of Pretoria, breaks this down for us. And our book of the week takes a bit of a twist. Farmers Selected Recipes for Love and Murder by renowned South African author Sally Andrews. And our farmer tip comes from Christian van Tonder, a free state cattle farmer. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 85 of Food Form Zanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food Form Zanzi. And joining me is Duncan Masiwa. Thanks, Dawn. It is great to be back. And I do hope everyone's surviving the cold, especially all the farmers that have been dealing with the frost and crop losses these past few weeks. Okay, let's kick off this episode with that promised talk about sugarcane farming. Journalist Nicole Ludolf chats to Rodney Mbuyazi, sugarcane and livestock farmer in Mbangeni, KwaZulu-Natal. Thank you so much, Dawn. Now, Rodney, will you please tell us a bit about yourself and how you got started as a sugarcane farmer? My name is Rodney Mbuyazi. I'm a professional farmer. I farm with sugarcane and livestock farming in KZN and Bangani area to be precise. I started farming way back in 2007. That's when I got the farm to farm. I'm farming under 100, 105 hectares. That's the size of my farm. That's why I do my sugarcane and my livestock. What are the correct soil and climate requirements for sugarcane to thrive? The crop sugarcane, it does well under our climate, a subtropical climate. It needs both water and sun to flourish, and it does well under those conditions. And obviously, there must be good soils. You need good soils to farm properly and to get good yields. Yes, it does well under dry land where there's enough natural rain and as well under irrigated area. It's important. There are sugar mills that take sugar cane. The market is well and good because you've got, like in my area, we supply our sugar cane to Tomati Hewlett, who then take this cane and mill it to make sugar. 
There are other byproducts that are made from the sugarcane stocks, but we don't get paid from that. We only get paid from sugar, uh, sucrose, that is generated from the sugarcane stocks. So we supply the meal. Price of sugarcane, sucrose, we get paid what we call a recoverable value, which is sugar content, your sugar cane. That's what we get paid. Remember the sugarcane price is regulated by the industry. It's not like the meal pays different prices for different farmers, but we all get paid one price, which is regulated by the sugar industry. I'll say based on that, the market is good because the miller will always want to take sugarcane. It's needed. Do you have any tips for aspiring sugarcane farmers? Yes, I'll encourage people to get involved. But I must say, like I said earlier on, it's a lifestyle. You know, be prepared to live the life of a farmer. You put aside luxury, just get yourself, if you are prepared to get yourself dirty, I would definitely encourage people to start farming. But you must be prepared. It's not going to be easy. Biggest problem as well is that most people like easy money. Farming is not easy money. Farming with sugarcane especially is not just easy money. Any farming for that matter is not just easy money. You know, you need to work hard to make that money. So it's important you are prepared to work hard to make money. Thanks, Nicole, and great having you, Rodney Mbuyazi. But from sugarcane farming to building a sustainable global food system, with the ongoing United Nations Food Systems Summit this week, we are now joined by Professor Lindiwe Sibanda, the Director and Chair of the Africa Research University's Alliance Center of Excellence in Sustainable Food Systems at the University of Pretoria. She now joins us to unpack what it takes to build a sustainable global food system. Welcome, Professor. It's great to have you here with me today. And it's definitely a privilege to be chatting to you. How have you been? Thank you. Surviving under difficult COVID conditions, but what to do? We survive. We always survive. Professor, we are, the context of today's discussion is specifically to highlight some of the issues that will be coming up at the upcoming United Nations Food System Summit happening this week. And today we're specifically going to be focusing on what is a food system, why is it important. But before I get started in the discussion, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself for those who might not know you. Thanks, Don. So my full name is Lindy Wemajele Sibanda, and I'm a born farmer. Agriculture runs through my veins and my nerves. I love my middle name, Majele, because my dad got it because uh, when my grandmother was pregnant with him, the cattle they owned straight into a neighbor's farm and they were confiscated and my grandmother had to go and plead, but they had to be with the police in the cells. So dad was born there and he was given the name Majele, which means prison. And I'm proud of that name because maybe that's what led me to study agriculture from BSc up to PhD level and to being a full-time farmer, but also to be in a job which allows me to research with the University of Pretoria, University of Nairobi and University of Ghana, which is the Center of Excellence in Sustainable Food Systems that I coordinate. So I'm really looking forward to today's discussion and to kick it off, I'd maybe like you to start by telling us a little bit about what is a food system and why is it so important? So a food system is literally talking about everything that happens from the farm up to the dining table. We call it from farm to fork. 
Why we say that is because there are many systems that are involved in the input supply of the seed, fertilizer, the genetics for the breeds of the animals into the agriculture way, the production from the land, into the harvesting, the post-harvest management, into the processing, the packaging, the distribution, the purchasing at household level, the cooking and the consumption. You can imagine the loop of systems that are involved. So rather than talk to just agriculture, which we have come from, where everybody, if you say, you talk agriculture, so say that's farming. We've now adopted food systems, which means from farm to folk with all those interrelated systems. But most important, don't leave out the word sustainable food systems because that's the new cob in the whole wheel. And that actually brings me to my next question, which is if whether or not our current food system is sustainable, maybe you'd like to share some of your thoughts on that. So question is, is our food system sustainable? Let's underline the word sustainable and unpack that. So when we talk sustainability, we are talking about economics of food systems. We're talking about the social components of food systems. We're talking about the environmental components. Now, simple question is no. And why are we not on the right path? It's because we've done everything wrong in our development trajectory. If my grandmother who passed on some 30 years ago at the age of 100 was still alive, she would laugh because in her Zulu terminology, she practiced sustainable agriculture. Her farm was a rainbow. We had all the crops We had the soils, we had the sorghums, we had the sweet sorghum, we had the maize, we had the sweet potato, we had a vegetable patch, we had free-ranging chickens, we had goats. All that created nutrition. It didn't only nourish us, it nourished the soil because of the interplay between the different crops, but most important, it nourished her pocket with the economics. We then moved to monoculture, where there were good prizes for maize, good prices for rice. What did farmers do? Removed the diversity and went for one crop. Now, in terms of fertilizer application, it's so difficult to return what is taken away from the soil. So every year we are denuding the soil of vital nutrients, but at the same time, not putting back. Secondly, socially, it means people are eating pap for breakfast. They make it a little bit thicker for lunch, pup and for dinner pup. That means we are not getting the diverse nutrients for a healthy body. So sustainability is really about feeding the soil, feeding the pocket and feeding the human body. And our food system needs to talk to that, not just agriculture, but all that. And hence, the Secretary General has elevated the game for the first time in history that we have a summit that focuses on sustainable food systems. And currently this week, we're in the pre-summit meetings in Rome, which will culminate in the bigger summit in September at the New York United Nations uh, high-level meetings. Professor, I literally got goosebumps when you referenced your grandmother and saying that her farm was a rainbow. (laughs) It just sounds so happy. Maybe you can focus on some of the main factors that we need to address to ensure that our global food system is more sustainable. And I'm sure you've discussed this this week, specifically in terms of the event that's coming up. There is never a magic bullet that will transform processes. But if I were to pull out two magic bullets, number one, it's science. 
because we are dealing with complex systems. Unless we research and come up with the evidence, the second pillar is policy, evidence-based policies that are informed by real knowledge that we have generated and can then adapt to our systems. We are not going to win this war. So what I'm excited about is that there's a whole contingency of scientists that will be presenting position papers. And because it's United Nations, our politicians, our policymakers will be around the table to listen to the evidence and hopefully come back home and coin evidence-based policies that support sustainable food systems. So for me, those are the big things that I'll be looking out for. You've just mentioned some of your highlights and what you'll be looking out for in terms of the summit. Are there anything else that you'd like to focus on? And and anything else that you'd like to highlight in terms of the upcoming United Nations Food Summit? Yes, so we can talk research, we can talk policy, but without money, none of that can happen. So funding, investments in research, investments in bringing up civil society that understand the business of food systems. They are the best messengers because they are affected by the issue of food. So that's why another coined issue is leaving no one behind. It's food. There is no excuse for anybody not to engage and have their voice heard. So three things, research evidence, evidence-based policies, and bigger investments. So I am hoping there'll be some big commitments. If people can go up to space and spend trillions of dollars, surely $1 trillion invested into agriculture and sustainable food systems would make a difference in alleviating poverty. Currently, 800 million plus people go to bed hungry every day. 3 billion people are malnourished, either stunted or obese. And that has a big health bill on our health system but we never connect the two. Let's solve the food problem so that we have less problems in our health systems. And that's a good starting point. Professor, I think I mentioned to you that I know that you could probably talk about this topic for days at end, um, but I have to let you go. But before I do let you go, our Farmers Inside Track podcast and news channel is specifically catered to farmers in our country. What message oh. do you have for them as a farmer, but also in your position What would you like to say to them and specifically new farmers entering the sector, keeping everything that you said in mind? To farmers, hold your head high. Without you, there will be no food. So demand what it takes to farm. Do it passionately because it's a calling and they need to be good policies that will make sure that you get all the inputs, all the evidence you need to be better farmers. So keep going. We have a tall order to make sure no one goes to bed hungry. Thanks once again, Professor Lindiwe Sibanda, Director and Chair of the Africa Research University's Alliance Center of Excellence in Sustainable Food Systems at the University of Pretoria. We now change gears and move the discussion from building a sustainable global food system to farmer development. Farm Soul boss Aaron Kole shares his new farmer tips to adapt and innovate to survive and thrive in the agri-industry. If you had to share advice to new farmers entering Mzanzi's agricultural sector, what would that be? Mm. Especially people really starting out from scratch. It's actually very important. And I hear you actually mentioned a very important 
word start. And for me, there's a famous quote, and probably you've had this quote before. I think it's actually relevant to new farmers and the circumstances we find ourselves in today. It goes by the saying, if not me, who? And if not now, when? So my advice to the new farmers is that just like a successful harvest, we start with one single step of planting a seed. To be successful is to begin with whatever you want to achieve, no matter how big or scary the obstacle might appear. I think it's important that they don't procrastinate. They need to begin the process now, be resilient, stay in the journey, and eventually they will reap the benefit or the harvest at the end. They must not lose their positive mindset. You know, I've learned something very important for me personally from farmers, and that is that having hope and optimism is the foundation of what makes a successful farmer or even an entrepreneur. You need to have that. Otherwise, you are not going to go anywhere. You need to have that optimism and hope. And then in closing, would you have any advice to new farmers that are still facing serious setbacks impacted by COVID-19, but also just in general? You know, farming is not an easy thing to do. So do you have any advice? I think currently now everybody's adopting a new norm. And we have to always strive to look at how can we best ensure that we protect each other. But at the same time, we need to kind of adapt to the new way of doing things and not be resistant to just the old way. of. We need to embrace the use of technology, like what we are doing now, embrace technology, use technology to the best of our ability. So I think it's really about just embracing the new way and the new norm of doing things. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. When your family doesn't settle for anything less than magnificence, give them the best with Magnificent Maize Meal. On the field or in the classroom, Magnificent helps your family perform magnificently. Magnificent is a product of VKB Group. Visit vkb.co.za or like our Facebook page for more. VKB, for the love of the land. Thanks again, Aaron Kole, Managing Director at FarmSoul. And who knows, if you've got what it takes, you might just be the next FarmSoul Youth Ambassador, featured on Food Form Zanzi. Let's move the discussion to our Book of the Week here on Farmers Inside Track. This week, Farmers Selected Recipes for Love and Murder by renowned South African author Sally Andrews. Hey Dawn and Duncan, I'm going to be reviewing a piece of South African fiction by renowned author Sally Andrew, Recipes for Love and Murder. Not traditionally an inspirational book for business owners, but hear me out. This novel, a Tani Maria mystery, is based in the beautiful Klein Karua, where farmers and urban dwellers thrive, if not from their financial savvy, but from the stories that come from their lives and habitats. The book is littered with recipes of South African fare, from cook sisters to the legendary buttermilk rusks, a unique South African experience for anyone who has ever eaten either of these confectionaries. And therein lies the advice for business owners all over the world. Keep it sweet, keep it light, and do your business with a smile. Let's keep in mind the process of baked goods. From raw materials to deliciousness, there's always a literal baptism of fire. Take, for example, the humble cook sister. The pastry is bashed down, shaped, cut into ribbons, deep fried, and then while still piping hot, placed into the fragrant syrup of sugar, cinnamon, ginger, and lemon, which is prepared in advance. As a business owner, don't you sometimes feel bashed down and shaped before you're thrown into the boiling hot oil of a crisis? As the difficulties loom in your business life, be prepared for anything that it throws at you. Have a safety net, a support group of like-minded people, personal champions, and mentors. And it doesn't hurt to have a bit of money, too, that you might have managed to squirrel away in the better months. Adjust the heat settings, call in the experts, or at least a sympathetic ear, talk it out, go back to your roots, 
and focus on the core of your business practice. Remember when you were starting out? Those little steps were essential and still are. Go over them again and repeat until success is in sight. Thanks, Melanie Baumeister. Now, if you want to suggest the next book of the week, simply email us at info at foodformzanzi.co.za. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. So I'm sure you know what time it is. Let me introduce you to this week's hashtag Soil Sister, powered by Corteva AgriScience. After nearly a decade working in the corporate world, Alice Khadebe followed her childhood passion, farming, and she's never looked back. Besides being an inspiration to many to take the plunge and follow their dreams, she's also currently on a year-long blended development program at the Gibbs Entrepreneurship Development Academy. Alice, maybe you can start by telling us about your farming operation and how you got started. We farm in the area of Delareville and we are a family business. We have been farming for more than 10 years. We specialized in sunflower production, maize production, sugar beans, and we also do hay for animal feed. And then what do you love most about farming? What I love most about farming is the smell, the look, and the feel of the fertile soil. I also love seeing the plants growing and mostly I love the selling of the finished products. And then we know we can't leave without asking you, what are your tips for women who are just entering into the farming arena? Start early if it's possible and always believe in the inner voice you hear. Thank you, Alice Wadebe. Now be sure to also read her inspirational article on Food for Mzanzi's website, Next up, our farmer's tip of the week comes from Christian van Tonder, a free state cattle farmer. He shares his top farming tip for newcomers in the agricultural space and has a great tip for cattle farming. I'd say that agriculture is certainly not the ideal business to go into if you are someone that's, that's looking to make a quick profit. Agriculture takes time and results won't be there for you overnight. You'll have to wait a season before you see the results of what you've done. It certainly does take time. It takes a lot of effort and there's a lot of risk involved. Agriculture is, in my opinion, for someone that has a passion for what they're doing and like what they're doing. It certainly is worthwhile in the end. My um, advice to emerging farmers that want to start farming cattle is to keep things basic. Firstly, identify the right breed which you want to farm. Make sure that it's adapted to the area in which you farm. And by doing that, you'll keep your costs down. Maybe try to look for an indigenous breed, in my opinion, which haven't, which have a little bit of resistance against ticks and will keep your um, medicine bill low enough. And always try to identify a commercial farmer that's willing to help you, that's, that's, willing, to, um, that's willing to give advice on what, what you need. Yeah, I'd say when investing in cattle, try to invest with a cow with a calf. That's the quickest return. There's very little that can go wrong there. That's what I can say for emerging farmers that are interested in starting to farm with cattle. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring. And that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. 
and the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens for Siodudzere or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Thanks, Christian van Tonder, a free state cattle farmer. Wow, Duncan. I must say, today's podcast is jam-packed, and I can't wait to continue with it. I'm sure there are many aspiring farmers who are still a bit hesitant to take the plunge and just start. Well, Malemo Tato left his office job as a former IT engineer to farm instead. In this week's animal nutrition segment powered by Furmul Feeds, Dr. Josef van Weinhardt unpacks Malemo's farming methods that upped his feed conversion. Dr. Josef van Weingart, it's great to have you back here on Farmers Inside Track. Interesting talking to you and we're looking forward to an insightful discussion this today. Maybe we can start the first question by figuring out what was the starting point of Malemo Tato's success? Great to be back now talking about uh, Malemo Tato's uh, great success. Just remember that, that he actually changed careers from IT to, you'd say, a feedlot manager owning his own feedlot. So it's a really gutsy thing from his side. And obviously the question, how did he do it? How was it possible? So it's very clear that he knew who his end consumer was. But that's very important for any business plan when setting up a business plan or project. Do market research. And that is exactly what Malemu did. He saw a gap for fresh meat in the informal market and went to full speed for it. So obviously do a thorough business plan and understand where your end product ends up. Just understand that route. So very important doing that market research, getting to that point. And at the end, one would like to address the question, what is the consumer's need? For example, in this case, do I want to produce big or small carcasses, lean or fat carcasses? Would it be a market for lamb meat or mutton meat, live animals or prepacked meat? So it's really important to get that in place before jumping in and building crawls and sourcing feed and so on. Just understand where your product is ending. Understand that consumer's need. And that yeah. is exactly what Malemo did correctly. I think that's something that is often overlooked, especially with new farmers entering the sector. I think they're very enthusiastic to start, but they often forget to do enough market research. Could you maybe focus on the formal products he's specifically using? And this is the SS200 and Procon 33. Obviously, this is aiding him a lot in his business and how he runs his production. Yes, correct. Yeah. So he uses Foodmore SS200 in combination with Foodmore Procon 33 in his feedlot rations. So just to focus on SS200, it's one of Foodmore's flagship feedlot concentrates. So it's not a complete feed. You still need to add your maize component and your roughage component to make a complete feed. And just some history on this product was first developed in the 1980s by Foodmore and was since improved on an annual basis as new research and technology were made available. So SS200 supplies not just quality protein. Remember, it contains more or less 33% protein. It also supplies um, all minerals and trace minerals, vitamins for maximum performance um, in, in feedlot environments. What makes SS200 special and specifically standing out in the market is it contains advanced feed additives, that promotes average daily gain and feed conversion rate, which we all know is the profit drivers in, in the feedlot. And at the same time, SS also contains some feed additives that prevents acidosis, coccidiosis, and, and bladder stones, which is real common 
metabolic issues in high energy dense diets such as in feedlots. SS is also a versatile product. So it's not just for feedlot purposes. You can also use it to mix your own crib feeds, ram mixtures, and even for uh, young calf meals. It's really easy to use. For feedlot mixture, you just add your Procom, your SS, your maize, and your lucerne. But even easier, you can go the route where you feed up concentrate and your roughage separately. So there's no need to mill your roughage, which is always, it could be an issue. So you just mix your SS, your Procom, your maize, feed that separately, unrestricted. And you also feed separately your roughage unmilled. So it's really easy to do that, to get started on, on that feedlot rations. And then just something on Food More Procon 33. It's a high protein concentrate or with the abbreviation HPC. So it, it only contains natural protein sources, no urea, no NPN. And it's the only four in one HPC on the market because it supplies uh, high levels of bypass protein, which we know is very important for maximum growth of of young lambs. And then at the same time, we actually added a macro and a trace mineral pack to that HPC. So it also supplies minerals, vitamins, etc., to boost that immunity of that lamb to achieve maximum performance. Also, it contains a good energy component. So it does not dilute your energy in your ration when you include food more program 33. So obviously, there are very clear guidelines to using this versatile products to be able to optimize production for any farmer. But maybe you could explain what entails good sheep feedlot management. What does it take? One cannot just start and feed the animals. Very important in the feedlot environment. Remember, it's a high energy dense ration. Animals usually come from the felt, so they need to be adapted to this new feed. Otherwise, you're going to sit with major issues such as acidosis, and it, it can be fatal for your animals. So very important, adapt the animals to this new, not just the, the feedlot environment, but more important to this new high energy dense feed. Some other important factors when thinking about feedlot management and so on, just to ensure you get the optimum out of that animal, you need sufficient crawl space for each animal and then also sufficient feeding space for each lamb. Usually I work on a 2.5 square meters per lamb standing space and then at least 15 centimeters feeding space per lamb. So you just need to do calculations of the size, the dimensions of your crawl when building your crawl, just to ensure you get to those important figures. And then very important, fresh water, always available, and then cleaned on a daily basis. Otherwise, we're going to sit with metabolic issues. Each camp should be slightly sloped with the feeding trough at the top and water trough at the bottom. Because remember, let's say there's a leak at the water trough. We don't want that water to run through the whole camp. So when the water trough is at the bottom, the slope, the water will exit the camp. Feed fresh, feed at least twice a day. If you can do it three times a day, four times a day, even better, because animals like their feed as fresh as possible. If there's some residue left in, in the feeding trough, just remove that or mix it in with the, the new feed, because we know sheep are very selective and finicky, and they can easily just refuse the feed and with the next feeding they, they overfeed and then you also sit with acidosis issues. So very important, ensure you're feeding uh, throughout the day and the feeding trough should never be empty. Otherwise, once again, sit with metabolic diseases. And then it would be ideal to maybe practice phase feeding. That's where you, you don't just have one feeding ration. You have two or three different rations. For instance, a starter ration, a grower, and a finisher. So that would also ensure maximum output from that lamb going from a starter grower, ending with a finisher. Usually a starter ration is just there to, to help with the adaptation to this new high energy dense ration. You feed that usually for 14 days. 
move over to a grower ration for another, let's say, 20 to 25 days. And then we finish with a finisher diet, which contains more energy, less roughage. So it's a, you could say it's a very warm ration for high output. And we feed that for not more than 21 days up to slaughter. These days are just some pointers, but it will change dependent on your end product. So if we're going for heavier lambs, we would maybe increase our grower stage and reduce the finishes stage. And then just some expected feedlot parameters that we would like to achieve. Let's say average daily gain of 300 grams per day would be ideal. A slaughter percentage or dressing percentage of at least 47, 48%. And then let's say standing days would be between 45 and 60 days would be the feeding period for um, your average lamb going in at 28 kilograms and ending at about 48 kilograms. And then just some rule of thumb figures. Usually a lamb eats about 1.5 kilograms a day of feed. And throughout that feeding period of, let's say, 60 days, you would easily end up at 100 kilograms per feeding period. So you can do your calculations on that. Thank you so much, Dr. Josef van Weingart. I say this every week. And along with your colleagues, Marie and Francho as well, I am in awe of all of your knowledge and skills within the industry and specifically around the specifications. I can probably listen to it all day. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm sure that the farmers listening also gain lots of insight and specifically based on best practice by Male Motato and his success within the farming industry. Thank you so much once again. And we look forward to our next discussion. Food Mall produces superior quality molasses-based supplements for ruminants. These products include maintenance, mineral transition, production and energetics, feedlot concentrates and liquid feeds. For expert advice on animal nutrition for optimal production and profit, contact Food Mall Feeds on 032-439-5599 or info at foodmall.co.za. Thanks, Dawn, and Dr. Joseph van Weingaard. He's, of course, the technical manager at Furmo Feeds. Right, our annual nutrition powered by Furmo Feeds brings us to the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food Firm Zanzi. Now, for more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Remember, if you love this podcast, like I always say, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. Farmers Inside Track, as you know, is available for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast and Google Podcast and also, of course, on foodformzanzi.co.za. But from me, Duncan Masiwa, Dawn Numdu, Nicole Ludov, Melanie Baumeister, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team, have a great week. And please, let's continue keeping each other safe during the COVID-19 pandemic. What joins a continent but its continuous flow over mountains, through rivers, in the rhythm of the land? What ignites its future? but the promise to fulfill, to protect and grow the very life of tomorrow.
Corteva. Keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.